Cheers to you, too. Welcome to the History Chicks. Today, we're going to do something different, something we've never done before, although, really, we should have. I know. A long time ago. This is our Q&A episode um, where we kind of catch up on a lot of input we've gotten in the past five years. (laughs) And while we might have answered someone personally, we may not have answered globally, you know, the questions in everyone's mind. Yeah. And we also put it out on our social media, so if you don't follow us on our social media, you're out of luck. Uh, Next time. But you know what? Every time I have a question about something, somebody else has it in the room, so... In the interest of full disclosure, you should know I've been sick for mm, about four weeks. So if you hear any creakiness in my voice, your surprise level should be awful low. (laughs) Probably why you haven't heard her voice since four weeks ago. Okay, so let's just start off with uh, Facebook. uh, Where, uh, okay, so the first time Susan asked, she posted a picture of a clock. Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. What do you have questions for us? And she got six responses. And then I posted a picture of a bar with the words last call on it. And suddenly avalanche that's hilarious yes you are our people so amber asks have you ever started researching someone and wanted to stop yes actually it's happened several times you know the one though i know we can't actually say the one because we are slogging through i know amber's not going to like that answer but i have to say jane austen was hard for me because i approached jane austen poor jane austen i approached her with reluctance because I didn't want to do Jane Austen at all because I thought I knew. Oh, I did not know. I actually liked her quite a bit toward yeah. the end. Um, so I have to say Jane Austen was hard to start. But once I started, I thought, well, now, oh, she's a bit of all right. I always liked, you know, the books and everything, but I thought, what am I going to find out? About her life, right? How much is out there? There couldn't possibly be very much. Yeah, I, I agree, except I went into it going after I accepted the fact that we were going to cover Jane Austen. I was like, okay, let's do this and see what's out there. And I, I was kind of happy to go into it. So, it was yeah, a little different. There's one that's coming that may be coming. It ah. will come. It will come because she's requested quite a bit. And I do want to cover because she is important. Let's just say that I have gotten approximately thirty dollars in library fines because I've had those books so long that I probably just better go ahead and buy them yeah. if I'm going to keep. Yeah, I had, I had quite a few for a very long time. I had to return them because the library's like, you know, there's people that have holds on this particular book. And I was imagining some kid who needs to write a report. So I turned it back in. Susan's a better citizen than me because it's still sitting in the front seat of my car, one in particular, <laughs> and has been for, I mean. Oh, I still have, I have two books still. Yeah. Days. Have you ever cried while researching? Have I ever cried? Yes. Clara Barton. Oh, you know what? I did. Yeah, there was a point. I even cried while I'm going to answer for you. You cried at Claire Barton, and you cried at uh, Dauphine's Heart for Marie Antoinette. Oh, yeah. I have a soft spot for little boys, though. Yeah. You know, I have one. So, yeah. Um, I have to say, I, cl- I cried during recording. And I must have cried when I wrote it down. I mean, I always take my notes in longhand, and so does Susan. So we're I don't know if we're throwbacks, but it makes it go in better, I think. I do, too, because I re- I take notes on everything I read, and then I compile them all, like, right before. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, someday we should do a giveaway where we send <laughs> some of our notes. We'll staple them and send them. I can't even read them half the time. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, there's something up, like, up the side of the paper. <laughs> yeah, the famous countenance versus continence that yeah, Susan okay, said that's once. that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Immemorialized <laughs> or memorialized. Everybody uses the wrong word. I just Sometimes. did it. Sometimes. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, cried while researching. There is, a, for those of you who haven't listened, in the Clara Barton episode, uh, she, being the only woman on site, was called to the side of a dying soldier. I'm not going to cry again, I promise. But uh, called to the side of a dying soldier who was asking for his sister, and he wasn't, they, you know, going to make it much longer. And she's, she'd been up for 60 hours. I mean, they were so apologetic. And she absolutely went over and held his hand while he died. And, and uh, he talked to her as if, she was his sister and was so relieved. Like, I'm so glad you're here. I, I've been so scared, blah, blah, blah. And in the morning, he said, I knew it couldn't be true, but I really thank you for helping me through the night. And then he died. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what got me, too, at that one is when she went back to her house and just she broke down and just covered in blood and just crying and crying and sobbing when she had been strong for so long. For other people. Yeah, exactly. So that was the part that cut. Right now, look. Chills. <laughs> Do you call them chill bumps or goosebumps? Um, I think I call them goosebumps. Somebody said chill bumps the other day, and I thought, what? Why? No. I, yeah, goosebumps. Mm. Okay. Austin wanted to know, what motivated you two to start a podcast about women in history? That's entirely up to Beckett. Well, um, I have a day job where I'm a commercial interior designer, and I have my headphones on all day. So I listen to between seven and eight hours of podcasts in any given day really most of the time I don't have to talk to anyone so I got so interested reading a book called to marry an English Lord by Carol Wallace and um, I wanted to know more it's all about the women who came across to marry titled men of England you know during 1980 to 1910 that kind of era and uh, I went I'm like oh I'll just find some podcasts and load them up for tomorrow sounds like a good thing couldn't find any shocking couldn't find any and as if a blanket had dropped over me i thought guess i'll have to make one ignorance is bliss didn't know i was facing a nearly vertical learning curve (laughs) and actually there was a significant amount of time between when you had that idea and our launch yeah uh yeah i was like kind of turning it over like that's a that's such a dumb idea like i'll just like you know somebody will come up with it and they didn't and um in Incidentally, that's the same book that inspired Julian Fellows to create Downton Abbey. So Downton Abbey and the History Chicks are cousins. We have the same ancestor. (laughs) Uh, We're relatives. We are. So um, anyway, that went on for a while, and then I thought, I need a co-host. And I reached out. I had met Susan online. We'd never met. I love this story because you've never heard my voice, Mm -hmm. and you just heard my writing voice. Mm -hmm. I, I love that part. It's so a level of trust. <laughs> so what motivated me is Beckett asked. <laughs> yeah, and I had called her house, and her husband answered the phone, and he goes, podcast. What's a podcast? Which we still get a lot. Mm-hmm. When I say we have a podcast, what's that? We just say I actually we- preface it now. I'm like, do you know what a podcast is? And then go from there. It's a horrible name. What? Podcast. It doesn't mean anything. Well, iPod radio I mean no I mean I know where it comes from oh okay but it doesn't what would you prefer no I don't know oh okay and we won't start it have a we won't start anything it doesn't have a better name I just think audio that's like bites a... no okay this is why it's called a podcast but uh, so I called her house and her husband answered the phone and I of course hadn't ever spoken to him before and I said well I you know I'm so and so I just called to see if Susan wants to start a podcast and and he's like, a what? And I said, you know, a, yeah, a radio show for the internet. And he goes, well, that sounds like something Susan would like to do. And he took my number. And I called her back. 
And I was at this time in my life where I, I, my kids were getting old enough that I didn't have to be on them 24-7, and I was branching out to see what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came along. I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. So I had to listen to my first podcast. And then <laughs> – Oh, my gosh. See, that's a part I, I didn't actually, actually know. I know. I actually <laughs> accepted before I'd even, like, listened to a I didn't have an iPod. I did. I honestly, did I have a cell phone back then? If I did, it was like a little, it was a flip phone. <laughs> Five years ago, I was, I was a little slow to catch up. Wow. All right. I know. See, do you remember the first podcast you ever listened to? Uh, yes, I do. It was um, I Should Be Writing. Huh. Yeah, and I listened to them quite a bit because I'm a writer. Um for pay, <laughs> writer for hire. Um, so I, I listened to those, and uh, yeah, huh. Mer Lafferty, who was just inducted into the Podcasters Hall of Fame. Yay, Mer. I want to say my first one was The Singer in Life, but I don't know that that's true because it was a radio show, and then it was podcast, and it's kind of a, what we call a procast, which is you know a professionally produced radio show that also is posted as a podcast, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. So it's not quite the same. No. No. Yeah. We are a very distant relation to Ira Glass. <laughs> I think we're closer to Julian Fellows than Ira Glass. Okay. So next one is Natalie wants to know, how long does it take you guys to produce one episode? <laughs> <laughs> we just looked at each other with our like, eyeballs like, You uh, guys really don't want to know. Actually, maybe you do. We well, have a tasteful donate button on our website. Okay. Go. Let's tell them how long it takes. <laughs> Research weeks. Oh, weeks and weeks. Weeks. Uh, deciding who to do is often quite quick. And then we have to get library books. We have to watch movies. We have to source YouTube things. We have to see if somebody that owns source material will let us read it. Mm-hmm. That's often quite um, – sometimes we have to ask for clarification. Like we write away to foundations and say, you know – is this true or is this true? We've read this in different places. We try to get an expert involved. And you know how people are about their email. They don't always get back to you. We have to beg for Ella Fitzgerald's music, which didn't work out. No, it didn't. That's a bummer. Although, looking back, we could have used her music because we were covering her life, I think. We could have used little snippets under fair that. use. But whatever. We didn't know. But I know. It's, such, it's so gray out there in that area. So really, I would say it could take anywhere from three weeks to someone that's easy to find the stuff. Um, pretty linear. Nobody gets sick. Nobody's child throws up. Uh, there's no construction <laughs> outside. No. You know, all things going beautifully. Three weeks to record, and that's not. You know, obviously, it's not three weeks twenty four seven because we have day jobs and children and children and husbands and stuff. <laughs> so I would take. I would say it takes three weeks from thinking of okay, this is who we're going to do to actually sitting down to record it, and then. Uh, the production also. Well, wait. Recording, actually. I come here. I'm here by, what, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I leave. We both race out of here to go meet buses and kids getting out of school at 3, right? Yeah. At the so, latest. Mm-hmm. And we talk the whole time. I mean, we're not recording the whole time, but we're talking about the episode and talking about catching up on stuff. <laughs> I know this particular episode is going to kind of freak me out because we didn't have too much preparation. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, we wrote down. Susan wrote down. I did nothing. I just went to work. <laughs> Um, Susan wrote down all the things and, and pulled everything off for the question, so she's more prepared than me, just so you know. Um, and then I after- need to be more prepared than you. <laughs> she always says I have a photographic memory. Oh, my gosh. Your brain, it just dazzles me. Thanks, Susan. You're welcome. 
See, we're such good friends. <laughs> Although I think we're polar opposites. Oh, we are. I think that's what makes it work. Because if we were both like you, nothing would ever get done. No, and we never, no one would, like, we'd be repeating exactly the same information except worded differently. Because our way, it, 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 we'd clash, like, a lot, I think. So, it's good. Her strengths are my weaknesses, and my weaknesses are her strengths. Wait. No, <laughs> mm, I see what you did there. This kind of goes right into Marie's question. Marie asks, and how the heck do you find time to make the podcast? And honestly, it's often little tiny bits of time. I have an accommodating employer. Uh, being the last person in your department is a lot better position to be in. But anyway, so um, I don't know. I have done so many overnighters in the course of these five years. I have to say there's been times that I see the dawn after editing all night. There's been, I mean, honestly, that's how we used to keep on such a good schedule is that I used to overnight yeah. a lot of editing. I know. And in the early days, I would stay up with her and then she'd, we'd const, like talk, you know, electronically as the night progressed. And now all I do is I fall asleep on the couch with my phone on my chest and vibrate. And if she needs to get a hold of me, <laughs> it vibrates and I wake up and I'm like, yes, what is it? Come on, you can do it. Boy. It's just, you know, just a few more hours and you can drink some coffee and go to work. Isn't that so generous? I know. <laughs> but yes. And I do feel badly about it. I tell you that every single time. I feel badly about it. <sighs> but if I had more of a participatory role in the editing, I would probably stay up. Not that I want it. Anyway, this is a, this is a reoccurring conversation. So, okay. I love this question from Marie also. Who selects the music for the breaks? And the answer is... Make it Graham. <laughs> Um, she she loved the music of the end music of part one of the Dorothy Parker podcast. Oh, here's what I typically, at least did. Um, we had a service until recently called Music Alley that was a um, kind of beneficial for both providers and podcasters. And um, I could look via keyword, and so if it was someone that had something to do with being a queen, I could just search the word queen. And then honestly, there was slogging through because there is an epic amount of bad music out there. Yeah. But then you would find the gem, and it was lovely. It was almost like virtually going to the thrift store and finding an Oscar de la Renta something. You know, it was like, ah. And sometimes when you find the perfect one, you find the perfect one. Um, it's super awesome. We are uh, friends with someone that does music clearances, so going forward we're going to have to uh, do some more of that kind of work. But you know what? That's what grown-ups do. Now that that service is defunct, that's what grown-ups do. So that's what we'll do. If you just heard me take a sip, we're actually drinking wine. Usually it's coffee. Sometimes it's water. But this is kind of a laid-back conversation. So, yeah, we... This uh, is actually really good. What is it? It's Pinot Grigio. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what's... But yeah. you know what? It's too late in the year for Pinot Grigio. So you got to finish up your stock. Well, you have to switch to red. I don't know what the dividing line is. Maybe the first day you feel like making chili, I think white wine has to go. Oh, okay. Well, then I better chug a couple bottles before it's Saturday. It's not a law. It's not a law. No, it's a good... It's good. Well, especially around here, October can pull on be 100 degrees some uh-huh. years, so you can't go by them once. Mm-mm. Mary writes, who was the hardest person to get information on? The we- mini cats generally are people that it was hard to get information on because there wasn't a lot out there, like Sophie Blanchard. Not a lot out there. Annie Chambers, who both of us, that was like probably our most excited find, I guess, that, Mm -hmm. um, thank you, Donald Draper, who sent us the suggestion. There wasn't a lot out there about her. 
And then, weirdly, for someone so famous and so talked about, the limited number of books we were able to find about Dorothy Parker's life. Now, you can find analysis of her works. You can find infinite editions of her works or collections of them. And then you can find quite a bit on the global, like, Algonquin Roundtable and mm-hmm. whatnot. But really, Dorothy Parker's life, I mean, it was less than, it was definitely less than ten. Mm-hmm. We don't like to rely on one source. We no, like you to can't. have a lot of different angles coming at it. So, yeah, it's, it's you can't. We couldn't possibly rely on one source. So, yeah. Carrie writes, I really got into the Tudors after hearing your podcast, read historical books, historical fiction, and found some other podcasts that focused more on Henry VIII. My question is, did either of you find yourself taking sides? I'm so Team Catherine and Mary, and I cannot stand Anne Boleyn. Uh, this kind of goes along with, <laughs> at least from my perspective, Sleeman. There's no other name than that. I'm sorry if I said it wrong. S-L-E-H-M-A-N. If Catherine of Aragon had stepped down and lived quietly, do you think Henry VIII would have quickly tired of Anne Boleyn? Here's the thing. I believe, <laughs> in my memory, um, that I said a very similar thing in the Catherine of Aragon podcast, and I'm frustrated with her mm-hmm. for not... But see, it's easy from... That's the problem. It's easy from this end to realize what Henry was going to do. But from her end, they've been married for 20-some years. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't think your husband's going to be that big of a douche. Sure. I'll let Susan (laughs) say the word. (laughs) Um, You just don't think he's going to go there. We know he's going to go there. And so from this end, it seems really easy to be like, seriously, girl, just go to the convent. Uh, Let it go. Because it is not going to be good. Your daughter's going to be punished. You are going to be punished. You know, it's easy for us to say yeah. now. So, and she followed her conscience for what that's worth. Again, I think I was very impatient with her for doing so. Yeah, you were. But like I said, it's easier for me to be like that with the benefit of time travel. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, in the answer to the original question, I tend to side on who, whoever we're researching and talking about (laughs) as horrible as that is but I I think that that's good because it makes me understand them and so if I can understand them I I can be on their side I suppose well as to the hating of Anne Boleyn no I don't hate Anne Boleyn here's what I I guess have to say about all women in that era and pretty much every era except for very recently they were subject to the whims of their male relatives and the men that surrounded them so I think Anne Boleyn was handed (laughs) A pretty raw deal at the beginning, and either you use what you have or you go down. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think blaming her for using the weapons she seemed to have, her wit and her watermelonness. <laughs> what did you say? Wanton what? Watermelonness. <laughs> that is a, um, gosh, what is that movie with Nathan Lane and um, Robin Williams? Birdcage. It's a birdcage Oh, reference. my gosh. Excellent. Good job. I yes, I'm one. afraid of your heat. Because you're afraid of my watermelonness. <laughs> so yes. Um, so whatever she was using, I think, you know. Yeah, I think she was pretty smart for the time. I think she, her brain. I think if you dropped Anne Boleyn into modern times, I think she would rock it. You know, I think she was quick thinking and um, almost cunning, and she thought ahead a lot more than a lot of women at the time. You know that we both want to go back in time with a taser simply to walk in the room, tase Henry VIII in the situation, and then teleport back. That's We would be happy with that. That would yeah. make us laugh. <laughs> um, so you know we don't like him. But Elizabeth must have inherited a lot of her intelligence and forethought from her mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So if nothing else, she left 
the gift of Elizabeth. And Anne Boleyn didn't know she was going to lose her head. I mean, at the very least, she thought if he was done with me, he'd send me off like he did Catherine of Aragon. So she had no idea. Anyway, okay, speaking of time travel, Kathleen wants to know, in a time travel situation, would you have altered any of the lives like Frida before the accident or Marie Antoinette with an escape plan or Lizzie Borden with an apartment in another town away from the crazy-making house? <laughs> oh, I hate time travel questions so bad. <laughs> well, I, I, but I don't think – there's lots of paradoxes with time travel. I'm a super geek, but – so one thought is that you go back and change something, but it doesn't matter because it'll snap back together. Right. Like one of my favorite movies of all time, Sliding Doors, mm-hmm. the only thing I love Gwyneth Paltrow in <laughs> – by the way, well, she was okay in Emma, yeah. Jane Austen's Emma, okay. but Sliding Doors, obscure movie. If you can find it, you should watch it. The basic premise is one small thing, a woman making a train or missing the train by seconds. So by the end, her life is so different just from that one thing that had changed. But then at the end, the very last scene, it snaps back to the where both lives would have met at the same exact place. So if you go back and change things, does it snap back? Was it worth going back? And then, what things are you changing when you go back and change it? So if you save Frida from the accident, do you remove all her art from the world? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it influenced go- her art really in a big way. Yeah. Um, well, my feeling on this, is I get it from um, Doctor Who, and that is that there's fixed points in time that can't be altered. And I think that... Um, these things that you talk about are those fixed points for these women because we wouldn't be talking about them. They wouldn't be remembered. You know, must it was hard for them to go through all this stuff, of course, but it's what gives us strength at this end of the timeline continuum. Maybe the only thing I can think of that might be useful is to go back and uh, have maybe a It Gets Better campaign oh, talk yeah. with somebody. Like, okay, this part sucks girl i know this part is so bad but if you can just like look at your watch or look at your iphone you got to hang on for like a month and a half and then this is going to happen so be cool stay positive i'm not going to change anything else or tell you about anything else yeah and now i'm just going to get back in my tardis and leave so that's the only thing i could like maybe ease the pain of someone yeah mentally that's very compassionate but you can't change the Mm -mm. nope nope Okay, Lindsay wants to know, where do you start any research? Favorite resources, online libraries, and favorite books, both historical fiction and nonfiction. She has the Versailles book on her on her list. She liked it. Mm. She liked it, too. Okay, I actually, since I typed these up, <laughs> I put a little thought into it. So while <laughs> Beckett is thinking, um, I think my favorite biography that I read from this project um, it would have been Cleopatra by Stacey Schiff. I really liked that one. Um, my favorite historical fiction book was The Secret Book of Frida Kahlo, speaking of Frida Kahlo. And um, although it's not a book, um, but The Doctor Who, The Unicorn and the Wasp, was probably my favorite historical fiction. <laughs> I love that episode. So the original question was, where do you start any research? Oh. I have to say, I think I start by uh, ordering via my computer every possible book that could be useful from my local library and get it sent from their vast network to my local library and then I go pick them all up and see what I have. That could be upwards of 15, 20 things. So then you have to weed through that. You know, you 
go through, see what you can use, and then, you know, some have a movie attached. You have to just gather all your resources up. We have um, a couple of sources. Accessible Archives is one mm -hmm. uh, online source. I mean, National Women's History Museum. The Museum of Menstruation. Oh, my God. Love, Mom. Love it. You'd be surprised how often that's useful. I know. <laughs> Um, actually, I start. I'm a visual learner, so I do get the stuff online from the library first, and then while I'm waiting for that, I try to find out if there's a, a biography on her, like on Netflix, would be great. Um, so I always start with something visual if the, if it's out there, and then I go from then I go backwards. Once I get I have an overview of her life, then I go back and do the books. And I obviously I don't start with the historical fiction, although I would like to a lot of times because a lot of those biographies are a little dry. And then I, you know, I go through as many books as I can <laughs> at baseball games, at football games, at basketball games. Oh. My friends make fun of me, but I always have a book or a book on my Kindle, and I'm always reading at these things where I'm supposed to be paying attention. But in my defense, I do pay attention when the game is on. But there's a lot of downtime in sports. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I have to say I do that, too. Like, uh, I'm known, actually, for even the 20-something skate dudes, like the smoking skates is what I call them, that don't wear a helmet. <clears throat> dudes, come on. Um, my child wears a helmet. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, even the smoking skates can walk so over there like... your husband. What? Does your husband wear a helmet? I know he's been hitting the state. My skate husband part. needs to wear a helmet. That's all I'm saying. The skills of 25 years ago are maybe dormant, but they are not prominent. And he he we should wear a helmet on his butt. <laughs> and two helmets on his kneecaps. Sorry, honey. It's true. Um, speaking of, it'll get better. I hope it'll get better. It'll get better. Um, uh, I forgot I was talking about. Dang it. We get in these aside. I know. Just like, mm, libraries, books, research. Yeah, I have no idea. So oh, I hope we answered your question, Lindsay. <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay, I was just going to say where, um, so I'm, even the smoking skates come up and they're like, so what's the next subject? And I assume they're not going to tell you guys, so I go ahead and tell them half the time. Yeah. And they're just interested. Like, they'll say, like, who's that again? Like, and if I can get the smoking skates interested in something, I feel like I'm really making some progress. Yeah. By the time we record, my family is so sick of whoever it is we're talking about. You know, the next, because every time I find out the cool stuff, I have to tell somebody. And so, she can't tell me, because that's part of our MO. I we know. We research separately, and we do not speak to each other. So the things you hear that make me laugh or make Susan go, what? She or I really don't know ahead of time. We try not to overlap too much. We don't say what books we've gotten. We don't, I mean, that's a very core yeah. mantra of ours. Yeah, I think that's important. Okay. Um, so favorite books, historical fiction. Now, ooh, e the Tudor people are going to be on me about this, but I have no problem with Philippa Gregory's books. I oh, know, I know either. that you bring in a lot of historical hoo-ha that doesn't have any basis in fact, and I guess my point is either it introduces you to the subject in which you read more about it and learn the full details, or... You're simply interested in a media. I say shallow. I don't mean shallow in a bad way, but in a in a less deep way. Entertaining rather than educational. And you've learned yep. more than you would have learned without reading that book at all. So I have mm -hmm. no. Tr she writes well. I believe. Yes, I bl I agree with you completely. She carries you through. So although yes, not the most historically accurate, famously so, I would say any of Philippa Gregory's books. 
I mean, the whole point of historical fiction is that it's fiction, and it's not just fiction because you drop a character that wasn't there into the story, but it's fiction because you kind of move things around a little bit for the storyline. It's fiction. Um, based in fact. So knowing the facts, of course, is important. But like Becca said, I think it's a really good introduction to a woman if you don't want to be educated too, but rather entertained. And then um, I would be remiss not to mention again, uh, as I always do, To Marry an English Lord. The thing that started it all. That is my all-time favorite book. I know. It's my favorite too. I love it. I'm so glad that you introduced me to it. I have my own copy. I've lent it out. I've gotten it back. Thank goodness. Um, well, my copy is so decrepit, and I took it to the um, I took it to New York with us when we recorded at A and E. We did some biographies for them, um, some narration, and um, I took it with me in my handbag with the hope, the hope, the hope that I could meet the author. And sure enough, I pulled out that raggedy Alec, bent up, spilled on copy, and she got a little verklempt. I think so. I love her. She's the nicest. Person. So sweet. Yeah, and she yeah, and she writes fiction too. I mean, we think about her writing that and um she was an editor or contributor to the Preppy Handbook back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um but she writes fiction as well. She wrote one about Van Gogh. If we did men, this isn't the question. Well, actually, this no. is a question I get in real life. Yeah. Like if you did men, who would you do? And I have to say, um okay, so my short list includes Dickens, Mark Twain, Charlie Chaplin, Hemingway, who I can already say I'm probably going to simultaneously hate the heck out of and admire at the almost exact same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would. That's a really good list. Well, we could do Henry VIII, but you know we'd bring our prejudices to it, so we could probably have a disclaimer in front of that one. Yeah. Oh, someone, it's in another question. Someone had suggested the loves of Beethoven as a subject. Beethoven. Okay. Mozart would be an interesting one. Mozart? Yeah. Well, you know, so um, we have no plans to do Jefferson. It. Oh, yes. We we have no firm plans, but we have something we talk about. We, the roosters, we call them. Jefferson <laughs> might be another one that I start out thinking I'm going to like, and I'll end up be like, ah! Like, who was that? Who was the person? Oh, Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> oh, Benjamin Franklin. I mean, I think that would be on par with Clara Bow as far as his social life. <laughs> social. <laughs> I'm going to read this question, and then I'm going to let Beckett answer it. What? Okay. Rain writes, okay, so you do this fabulous episode breaking down chapter by chapter Alice in Wonderland and through the looking glass. And you all not only overlook chapter three with her train ride, but fail to talk her about her amazing outfit she's wearing. The hat, muff, scarf and the cu- are the cutest. Please chat about the fashion and the illustration. Oh, my God, that purse is so sweet. Thank you for all you do. Love, love, love your chats. They are so smart and fun. <laughs> so she, I mean, it's not like it's not like hate mail. <laughs> Although, we're not going to do it today, but oh my goodness, I think we should pull back the curtain on some of, would you call it hate mail? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes I would. Uh, Vitriol, like, well, they're, they're very angry at us. For and something. a lot of times it's something that really I'm like, I am just the messenger. I had nothing to do with the creation of Hatshepsut's birth story on the wall of her temple. I did not paint it. I did not find it. I did not translate it. I have nothing to do with it. But somehow, me, Becca Graham, is the worst person ever. Yeah. Yeah. Or the other ones that make me kind of chuckle are the ones that criticize an opinion. And it's not even like an opinion about how a woman is living her life but an opinion on a movie or a book that we read, whether we liked it or didn't like it, and they don't agree. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. You're certainly entitled to your opinion, just as I'm entitled to mine. I just have a microphone. And it used to bother us, and now we have to kind of just see, well, is it a valuable opinion? Because sometimes when somebody says, well, I gave you a one-star because you liked this version of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, you got to wonder, well, is that a real one-star review? I'm going to mm-hmm. say no. <laughs> one of my favorite ones is uh, a lady that said, well, I'm old enough to be your grandmother, and I'm thinking... I think you're old enough to be in the Guinness Book of World Records <laughs> in that case, but I appreciate that. Yeah. It's like being carded constantly. I know, right. Exactly. Um, and we couldn't help but notice, and we do get emails on this as well, that um, some people have marked us down because of our audio, and I'd like you to listen to us right now. Yeah, I've just spent thousands of dollars of my own uh personal, hard-earned, upholstering-the-walls money <laughs> on new sound equipment. Yeah. You wanted to upholster your walls? <laughs> uh, yeah. Where? At work. Oh, right. Not here. Okay. I'm too tired. I come home. It's like busman's holiday oh, around Oh, the here. money you get from upholstering the walls. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Cool. You know. So or anyway. if you prefer the hanging thousands of wine glasses upside down from the ceiling money, would you prefer that? I like the one where you put all the um, the crystals from the chandeliers on the Christmas tree. And then sold the Christmas tree because I didn't feel like taking them back off. <laughs> See how it is? Hand-wired all those on. I did. I hand-wired them all on, and then I stepped back and thought, oh, no. So we sold the tree. <laughs> Because I see that's type B. I don't think ahead. Oh, this will look cool. We'll figure it out later. I don't deal with the consequences (laughs) of my actions. (laughs) So anyway, if you were one of those people, go back, please, and you can go back to your review and just bump us up a star. That would be great. Assuming this works. I know. That's true. Yeah. We're, We're in the learning curve. We thought this would be a good episode to learning curve through. Looks super cool, though. I know. It does. It looks super professional in here. It's, uh, we've got... Pop filters and boom. I like you. You have this light that really has nothing to do with it, but it's like a little, I'll, I'll take a picture of it. It's a, like a spotlight. <laughs> Here's the sad part. That's been here the whole time. I think it was in the other room, wasn't it? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure I compliment. Maybe it just stands out better now that it's in a collection of things. That, that looks industrial. Industrial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Susan so. is also very observant. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure I complimented that light at some point. I've seen everything in this house, I think. No, that's not true. There's a lot here. Yeah, my house looks like um, as if Indiana Jones' mother, bless her heart, had decorated her house in perfect Victorian awesomeness. And then her husband and her son came home and threw all of their artifacts all over everything. That's what my house looks like. It's out of control. All right. Yeah, but it's really cool. And... Need I mention the bar? <laughs> oh, yes. The bar cabinet is another co-star. Yeah. It's quite impressive. Actually, it's kind of um, spilling out to a side of the table. Or a, what do you call that, a buffet? It is actually the uh, it is actually the last thing you saw before you went into the principal's office at oh. an old school that has now been torn down. <laughs> it's uh, the site of many tears. It's the cabinet that the secretary sat behind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't answer the question. But see, oh, right. the I don't know. I don't know which drawing it is because I don't know what edition you're referring to. Through the Looking Glass, Chapter Three, Illustration. Oh, this is cool. Showing pictures matching your request. Sweet. Um. Oh, yep. Oh God, Google, you rule my world. 
Um, okay, so here she is on the train. Oh, yeah. Okay, that is a really sweet hat and muff. Okay. I'm always so interested in her tights. You know, the stripy tights were so fashionable at a point in the 80s. I had some stripy tights. I had some stripy tights, too. I think me, my favorite part, the stripy tights and the fact that her hair is still down. I always liked her hair in this. It's so, it's so like my hair. It's all messed, kind of. <laughs> um mermaidy like nobody's brushed it and the wind has blown it and like she's fallen however many feet that's what my hair always looks like no one uses those muffs anymore do they i guess everybody has mittens now what are you gonna do with your phone <laughs> keep I'm it sure in there they could put a phone <laughs> a little pocket, pocket in, a in there and keep it nice and warm okay so brooklyn and austin and portland oregon um this is the next fashion item <laughs> So, back to another comment from Slayman. I recently watched the White Queen miniseries and am interested in knowing more about the spells and witchcraft of the day. Was it primarily women who passed that knowledge along? Are there natural events that could explain history-changing events that were chalked up to witchcraft? Yes. I mean, in nature. (laughs) Gosh, you know, without having gotten fully into researching that, I almost hate to comment, except for the fact that witchcraft was commonly used as a character slayer. So anytime that you wanted to cast some aspersions among uh, some kind of uppity read intelligent uh, woman or somebody that was in your way, etc., throwing out that word witchcraft is kind of like magic anger gets directed to them. It's like a laser ray of doom. Um, and unless, I mean, how do you prove you're not a witch? How do I, how would I prove I'm not a witch? You know what I mean? Like, I have a cat. <laughs> I don't know. That's enough sometimes. Do you have a gag? And you have dark hair. And I have dark hair. And pointy hair. shoes. And point. Oh, see, I'm a witch. Evidently. You must be. I wore I wore stripy <laughs> tights in the 80s. Um, so I, I would just take a lot of that with a grain of salt. Philippa Gregory herself has said, and many, you know, has said about her books that everyone owned that book, Melusina. Everyone, you know, noble women read that book a lot. And while a lot of people claim that Jaquetta and Elizabeth of York were descended from, you know, the water goddess Melusina. There's no proof they ever said it. And the biggest thing was that they had two little figurines. One was broken. Well, how many kids did they have in that house? A broken figurine should not be cause for cutting <laughs> off someone's head. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I've got broken figurines all up in my bathroom right now. I mean, true, they're Buzz Lightyear and a lot of Ninja Turtles and that kind of thing. And as far as I know, neither of those creatures have died a horrible death. But if they do, please don't blame me because of the figurines. That's kind of what my view on witchcraft is. People are jerks and they said that it was witchcraft, (laughs) so we can't really comment on witchcraft being passed along from women, women to women. Everyone wants to blame bad harvests on something. Mm-hmm. That's a natural. I mean, sure. So you know, or behavior that you don't approve of. Here's a correction. Yes. Sometimes they happen. Usually they happen in secret. <laughs> yeah, they do sometimes, and it doesn't happen very often. To be perfectly honest, because we are um, fairly methodical about fact checking. But this particular one, we did get a couple emails on, and um, the fact checking it just slipped past us because it was a little comment about a media reference at the end of the show. It was just like one sentence where I, Susan, had said that Les Mis was a good example of the French Revolution and the end. Well, um, 
This was the nicest letter from this man named Frederick, and his subject was cheers from a Frenchman. Frederick and I had a couple back and forths, and he's extremely charming, and he gave me a nice little uh, lesson in um, French revolutions and French warfare. And Anyway, uh, should I just read the letter, and then if you want to cut it out, you can? Sure. Okay. I discovered your podcast through Felicia Day's blog. Thank you, Felicia Day. That was me. Okay. I started with your reboot on Marie Antoinette and noticed a small error at the end of the podcast. Les Mis was not set during the French Revolution, but 40 years later during the Junior Rebellion of 1832. Very different times. The absolute monarchy was long gone, even though the people of Paris still suffered a lot. I understand the difficulty of verifying all the information you gather on a specific topic for your show. To your credit, we've had like four revolutions during the extended 19th century. And then he tells me about the revolutions, which are just so awesome. 1789, the first, the big one, where Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI shrunk by the length of their head. 1830, Les Trois Glorieuses, which was where Les Miserables was set. 1848 was the February Revolution, and 1870 was La Commune. My favorite quote from this letter is, we really have a violent relationship with our government and with power in general. I just like the way that he ended um, his last correspondence to me, and he said, history is a bit more complex than a movie or a book. So true. That is true. Even a podcast, you know, it's a lot more complex. Um, on Twitter, Art Quiltmaker, who is a very loyal listener, she's been a listener since the beginning, and we appreciate her um, not only listening, but I know she's told a lot of her friends about us, and so we thank you for that. Um, she actually answered my question of, do you have any questions, with a statement, and she said, sometimes I believe that librarians are under fire for trying to help people. Few people seem to value us. And I want to say, we value librarians. Librarians have superpowers. Just befriend yours and thank them for being in your life. Don't be grumpy with them. They are providing you a very valuable service. And mine are delightful women. And men, actually. There's a few men in my library. They're very knowledgeable about obscure places to find things in, say, the Missouri Collections Research um, section of the downtown library where do you even go in there without trepidation? Do you even walk in there? Like, oh, oh, oh. these books, they're so heavy. They're so, they smell delicious, though, those books, I will say. But they've all been in there reasonably untouched for lots of years, and they know exactly where everything is, so high fives to them. I went in once looking for a biography on Mary Blair, who was a concept artist um, with Disney back in the 50s, you know, in Disney's big burgeoning years. Um, And there's one biography on her, and it's very small, and it's very obscure, and my librarian got it for me. He hunted it down. It's some other interlibrary loan. He found it. I'm like, there's got to be a biography. And he sat there typing away, trying to find one, and he did. And, I mean, that's what they can do for you. And now I know a little bit more about Mary Blair. Well, and the current subject that we can't tell you yet, that we're researching, has a um, curiously obscure third act in the fiction Um the fiction written about her life, and someone was able to find that out-of-print book for me, too. So so that was cool. Susan's giving me a frown, but see, she can't know either what book it is because <laughs> we don't talk about it before. I so know. Well, we're researching two women right now, so I'm trying to I, – I think I, I know which one you're talking about, but I 
On another note, researching two people at once is like summer stock theater. If you've ever been in it, you rehearse one show during the day. This is what summer stock is. And then at night, you perform an entirely different show. And it goes on for all summer. And the confusion level is pretty high. As a matter of fact, I did, um, I think I did Annie and what? Annie and Sound of Music. Both where you, the adult blows the whistle and you run and stand in line. What, what are the chances of that? And, you know, just having to remember, like, who you stand by was enough trouble. Okay, so researching two ladies at the same time, especially if they're within the same century, is quite difficult. Now we have a section we've decided to co- call Can You Cover? Now, first off, we get a lot, a lot of requests um, to cover women, and we love each and every one of them. I maintain a master list of all the suggestions that you've had and that we've come up with. We had a pretty significant one going in five years ago, and now it's rather massive, actually. We could do this for a very long time, Beckett. Um, And so whenever somebody requests somebody, even though they're already on the list, the chances of somebody new is pretty slim, um, unless they're extraordinarily obscure, like more obscure than Mary Blair. And so we love getting those requests because it kind of gives us a barometer of what you guys are interested in listening to. So when I asked if you had any questions for us, a number of the questions had to do with, can you cover? Andrea actually asked the question that I just answered. Do you like getting requests for subjects or do you prefer to be inspired and come up with it on your own? I think both things. Yeah. I mean, sometimes... There's somebody that we personally want to cover. Um, Our next subject, Beckett's wanted to cover for quite some time. I wanted to cover Dorothy Parker for quite a while. So we just slide them into the schedule as it's like, I need a little love. Let's put somebody that I wanted to talk about on on that list. Um, So for that, yeah. And we do, I know Beckett said that we come up with them right, you know, weeks before. We come up with a list of about 10 out. Um, to try and make sure that, you know, we've got the different eras covered, different countries. Without paying attention, um, you know, we could do them all, you know, European royalty all the time or suffragists all the time. And so, anyway, um, so we do switch them out, like, if we're not feeling somebody. But, well, that sounds bad. If we're not, like, feeling like talking about somebody or that it's just too dry, like, uh, there's one that – We've tried to do for uh, several times, and every time we got ready to record it, something really catastrophic happened. Like, I paralyzed my vocal cord, and then we, I got, months later, I got my voice back, and we were going to record her again, and my father, who'd been uh, battling uh, lung cancer for uh, several years, got extremely sick and passed away. So, I mean, really bad things happened when we were ready, so we kind of shelved her, and she's highly requested, but... She's on the shelf for just a little bit because we need to. I need to personally. My emotions need a little recuperation. <laughs> that answers that question. Well, and then um, I, you know, do we want to say the top request? I don't know. Um, number one, of course, is Mary Queen of Scots, and I'll tell you about Mary Queen of Scots. We were gonna go there, but we had been. You know, we know she's not a tutor. She's a steward, etc. But the thing is, um, we had been in the tutor land for so long. We thought if people aren't that into the tutors, this is going to end up being a slog fest for them during this section. We need to get away. And that's why we waited to cover Elizabeth for a little bit. Yeah. And so we just felt like it was too much, too much in this series. And so we broke away and certainly we'll come back to her. Um, There's no doubt we're going to cover her at some point. And it wasn't um, that we left her out on purpose. It's. That we kind of just had to get away for a little while and put some more variety in. 
And when we do um, hold our we used to call them seasonal, but now I, I guess every 10 episodes or so, um, we have a guaranteed content poll. And all the names on that guaranteed content poll are highly requested. So that kind of gives you an indication of who's on it. Um, Midford Sisters, yes, they're definitely one of the top requested. Eleanor of Aquitaine, highly requested. Rosalind Franklin, Eleanor and Alice Roosevelt are up there. Empress Matilda, Billie Holiday, Tallulah Bankhead came up quite a bit after, especially after we did Dorothy Parker. Anyway, uh, and um, there's one person, Tom, who keeps requesting over and over and over again, Hannah Snell, who is on the list, Tom. I can't tell you when we'll get to her, but it's just a matter of time. Avery the Imp on Twitter says, will you ever get around to doing Mae West or Marlena Dietrich? <laughs> Sure, they're on the list, and I made a note that you requested them again. However, it's going to be a while for Mae West because the Bowery Boys, you know, our podcast boyfriends, <laughs> uh, just covered her in episode 182 um, this year, and they did an, a fab- fabulous job like they do on everything. So it's going to be a while before we cover Mae West. Just wait for the inevitable trash check. And you know we're not recording on trash day, mm. so I'm not entirely sure. Usually we have to pause for trash checks. 10 or 11 times. I think they all do the turn in front of my house, and so we hear them so often. And today I thought we wouldn't hear one. Okay, so now we're going to do a little speed round because what we'll keep saying over and over is they're on the list, they're on the list, they're on the list. Because you know what? The fact is they're on the list. So here we go. BJ would love to do an episode about QE2. Now here I will add that there is a small problem in that she is still with us. Yeah, this comes as a surprise to some people, but we generally don't cover anyone until they're dead, and dead for quite a while, and I'm so, so so sorry, Maureen. Um, Linda McCartney would make an excellent episode, but she's got so many people that are still alive that she's still with us, so um, we like to give a little respectful period of mourning, so it's going to be a very, very long time until we cover Queen Elizabeth II. Lady Diana. I know. Sorry. That's another one. I So, well, seriously, what can we tell you about Lady Diana that you don't already know? Although you never know. That could be a charm. I know. Back to the speed round. Moon. <laughs> Moon would like Margaret Sanger and perhaps an episode about the love of Beethoven. Hmm. Writer Sign on Twitter is like an episode about Christine de Pizan, who was a 14th century French poet and author. We actually get a lot of requests for her, which surprises me. Carol would like Alice Paul and a similar list, Lucy Stone, Jane Addams, Matilda Joslyn Gage, although we touched on her briefly during the Wizard of Oz Yeah, we did. And and I wanted to cover her just for our dear friend, JD, who's at Accessible Archives and got a new website, which is so awesome, Um, except I don't know the name of it, Things They Said, it's brand new. I'll link you up in the show notes. But um, he wanted us to cover um, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, and we're like, well, we kind of covered her a little bit. Well, we also covered her a little bit in uh, the Elizabeth Cady Stanton episode because she was one of the three, the other being Susan B. Anthony, authors of major works of women's suffrage. Um, So we've covered her tangentially twice. So we may go back in. Yeah. Um, I know that the avalanche of requests for Emmeline Pankhurst is coming up because of the new um, Suffragette movie that's coming out. And Meryl Streep, uh, do something solemn and respectful. Um, <laughs> it plays her. <laughs> like making a cross. She just bowed her head at the name Meryl Streep. <laughs> huh? Maybe I should at this point go, oh, 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 oh. 
that, I don't know if that's solemn and respectful. I think it is. That's hilarious. Um, Lucretia Mott, Sojourner Truth. I mean, we have a very long list. We could do an actual spinoff podcast just on suffragists. Melanie says, I know you've done Jane Austen, but what about the women of Jane Austen books? Well, here you need to know that we do, um, sometimes we tuck in a mini cast, and they aren't numbered on our website. They're just at the bottom of the list of all of our subjects that are numbered. Um, they fall in on iTunes. They'll fall in whatever their episode is. So bet- about episode 38, there are three mini casts that cover the Jane Austen books. It's, a, it's our Jane Austen book club. And I think we threw in quite a bit of opinion mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I don't think there's much more you could say. Uh, John would like us to cover Clara Schumann, who was a composer and concert pianist, wife of Robert Schumann and friend of Brahms. Yeah, she would be great. Uh, another Tom would like us to cover Tokyo Rose. Um, Kathy says, I'm still pushing for Lillian Moeller Gilbreth, the mother from Cheaper by the Dozen. Now, Kathy, you should know that that is the person referenced before when Susan said, there's been someone that I want to do for so long. Um, And she did get her Dorothy Parker, so really, the quarter's up on Lillian Gilbreth. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. My quarter. You don't really have to push too hard. Actually, at all. (laughs) Tobias would like more Chinese heroines and maybe cover things about how much truth is in the Netflix show Marco Polo's depiction of the women that have existed in reality. And I think this would make, um, we've done it on a movie cast before, you know, we talk about things that really happened versus, and actually in our media section, um, versus media coverage of them. I think that's awesome. That's a great idea. And as to, Tobias, as to more Chinese heroines, we are with you on that. Here's the thing about, really, all the Asian people that we've been wanting to cover. We have been doing a lot of background reading because, while we feel that we have a handle on, certainly, American culture and history of, thereof, um, and even European, since... You know, that is our heritage. We really feel like we needed to do a lot more reading on China and customs and history and why somebody might behave the way they do because it would be pretty insensitive of us to just ascribe motivations to a a person in China that might not have existed elsewhere. So we're background reading on that. We've got actually someone helping us with pronunciations, too, so we don't uh, embarrass ourselves too heavily. We probably still will. I can't even pronounce half the words that... I'm supposed to be able to know how to pronounce. Because you only read them. You don't hear them until you say them. And then right. nine times out of ten, I get it wrong. <laughs> well, we had to get a Russian speaker. Uh, my husband's in the restaurant industry, and he has two had two Russian employees. And we got them to help us with some pronunciations like Sarsky Soto and that kind of thing. So um, so we we have marshaled our resources. It's just a matter of feeling comfortable. So right. Tobias, do not lose hope. Okay, Julianne asked an interesting question. Um, How about Clara Shortridge Fulton, the first female lawyer in California, or Sandra Day O'Connor? Well, two little problems with that. Sandra Day O'Connor is still alive. We already talked about that. And Clara Shortridge Fulton, maybe. I put her on the list. I don't know that we would cover her anytime soon, except maybe by a minicast. That runs into that same problem again where are there enough distinct sources so that we feel like we're a full 360 picture? Or is it just one book we can find that someone wrote, right. which we can't really just summarize in outline form for you? I just don't think that's fair. Right. And our ideal subjects not only have more than one book out, but they also have other media references because, honestly, our intention is to give you an overview of a woman's life. And we give you so many resources in our show notes 
links to things to find to discover more on your own. So if there isn't that out there for someone, they kind of drop down on our radar. A.E. says, I would love a series on the women behind the man. Anne Morrow Lindbergh, muses of famous artists. Yes. But as we found when we were talking about the wives of Henry VIII, we were kind of forced to cover the rooster, the man in question, <laughs> um, to make the life of the woman um, put it into context, make it more sense. So, gosh. Picasso, she said, that would be another one for the rooster list. Ooh, it would be. Yeah. It would be. I know. I know. Oh, and she put in a, can I read the, yeah. we haven't been reading praise, but you know what? It's right here. <laughs> also, I'd love to say thank you for such a fun and informative podcast. Thank you so much. My daughter and I listen to them, and it's really fun discussing the women with her. I love that. I love when people share it with their daughter or their son. Yeah, we've gotten a couple. We were listening to it in the car, and we st- sat in the driveway to listen to the end. Love that. With your kids after a ball game or a school pickup, that's amazing to us. That makes me feel very happy. I know. Me too. My son, speaking of that, is going to see um, the Miracle Worker tomorrow. Oh, really? And funny about that is he has, I, he has developed, I swear to you, I did not direct him this way. He has developed a disdain for Helen Keller for, quote, not appreciating Annie Sullivan enough. So, I'm interested if he, I told him not to boo and hiss at the miracle worker, no matter what. So, he'll listen to me in that regard. But isn't that interesting? Because he listens, he listened to our Annie Sullivan show first. See, that's my problem. I did that first. But anyway, and then he listened to the Helen Keller podcast, and he thought that Helen Keller, especially when they go through college and Annie Sullivan didn't get the degree, and Helen Keller did, and Annie Sullivan was double working and staying up overnight and things. He's indignant on her behalf, and he's 10. I love that. Okay. Uh, Ashley would like us to cover Sissy of Austria. There's some good pictures of her. She has some really good hair. <laughs> I mean, famously so. Yeah. That's not a reason to cover somebody, of course. But, you know, the fact is she had really good hair. Now this is kind of a section about us, which is something we don't really like talking about too often. But, okay, here we go. <laughs> Mary would like to know, what do you both do when you aren't researching the next episode? <laughs> My answer is sleep. <laughs> I was going to say sleep. Cook dinner. Uh, my husband. I do what my husband calls banging away at your computer. <laughs> it's called work, honey. We are always researching the next episode to yeah. some degree. We are, we really are. Yeah, and even just in our ordinary lives, you know, a movie. We'll go see a movie that comes out. Okay, so there's one thing. Here's my. Um, and if you've heard the most recent episodes, you're totally on with this. You know that I'm doing this. But I have got Gilmore Girls. On full, like, constant, circular repeat. Oh, Netflix. Oh, please don't take them off. It will take a piece of my world away. But um, I've been listening to the Gilmore Guys podcast, who have been our neighbors in iTunes for a long time. So I like doing that, although it causes eye-rolling in the household. Like, seriously, have you not already seen this? I've already seen this. You've already (laughs) seen this. It's just kind of Lorelai and Rory are the background. It's not my... It's not highbrow. It's fine. But there's a lot of cultural references in that show. And then the writing was brilliant. I mean, so, very fast-paced dialogue. and Yeah. yeah. That uh, and West Wing. My husband's yeah. into the West Wing. And Sorkin and Amy Sherman Palladino, who's the Gilmore Girls director. Seriously, yeah. you guys. Yeah. They might as well have been separated at birth. <laughs> I'll tell you, Satellite Sisters got me into Madam Secretary. Oh, yeah. I don't generally watch. See, I don't watch a lot of television. Like when it's on, I mean, I'll record uh-huh. Doctor Who, 
and I record The Walking Dead, and I recorded um, Fear the Walking Dead, and I watch those, but that's a, I don't ever really watch television in real time, except when I was visiting my mom, and she watches CBS all the time. So I did watch a couple episodes, and I was like, eh, it's all right. Well, I started at the beginning because it came out on Netflix, and because Satellite Sister Ted recommended it so glowingly, and I binged through it in just a week. There's a lot. There's 22 episodes in the first season. That's another podcast I've been listening to for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. They used to be on the radio, as a matter of fact, um, famously so, for, gosh, what, 10 years? I mean, they toured with Oprah. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. They have a podcast now. It's five real sisters who don't live anywhere near each other, <laughs> and um, I don't know how they managed to get those podcasts together. Five schedules would just like to kill me, because two is hard enough. Yeah, a lot of times they'll... Uh, Two of them will talk. Oh, and some people will just be missing. Yeah, yeah. Who's ever available talks. So, yeah, it's, I love that one. I've really been listening to Gretchen Rubin's Happy, Happier lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like every week I, I'm like, oh, I could listen. I could listen. I really love that one. I'm an obliger. I'm a, a rubble, according to Gretchen <laughs> Rubin, um, which basically means there's just no help for me. This is Beckett. <laughs> In my, I'm, as an obliger, I'm here to say, no, Beckett, let's do it. Just give me something to, you know, I can h- help you set some goals, and let's do it. And I'm like, whatever. I'm going to have a drink of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say my wine glass is a little emptier than yours. That okay. means I talk too much. <laughs> oh, my. I'm going to drink it right yeah, now. Yeah, go ahead. Gulp, gulp. And I'll, I'll read a... Uh, Sarah's letter. Oh, you're going to make a noise when you put it down, aren't you? Excellent. On purpose. How about that? Sarah would like to know, I would love to hear more about Edith Piaf, but that wasn't the question. What I would like to know, what has surprised you the most in your research about an era or a person? She actually had four questions. I'll read them all, and then we'll just do them one by one. Uh, What woman's life story has resonated the most with you? Would you prefer to be a queen or a mistress of a king? And curiously, how your family, how did your families get to America? Okay, so what surprised me the most, there's two things. Uh, Well, I don't know. There's two things. I was tickled that I started out loving Julia Child so much when we started researching. And by the end, I was like, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And so my attitude turned completely around. I referred earlier to the opposite effect with Jane Austen. Like, how exciting is this going to be? And by the end... She's saying she's so glad she's 30 because now she can sit by the fire and have people bring her glasses of wine. So I was pleasantly surprised uh, in that direction. So I guess I love, again, opposites. I love Julia Child. (laughs) I loved her going in, and I loved her coming back out. Okay, so, and then what woman's life story has resonated the most with you? I guess that kind of goes along with surprise. Josephine Baker is my constant answer because if you know her, you know her as... The dancer with the skirt made of bananas. But you don't know that she worked with the French Resistance. You don't know that she saved tens of thousands of allied lives. You don't know she was friends with Grace Kelly. Or that she was uh, a protagonist, shall we say, in a major discrimination case. You don't know she adopted children from all over the world. It's just amazing the depth that we got out of that story. Yeah. That I didn't know. I didn't know it either. But that doesn't really mean it resonates with you, does it? Well, only in the terms of be careful that you don't assume you know all about everybody. Oh, okay. I yeah. guess it's like uh, everybody has so much in their past mm-hmm. or in their present that you just don't know what's going on. I don't know what I resonate where like where I like would like someone. I'm unfortunately too much like Dorothy Parker for my own comfort. <laughs> but I don't know that that's resonating. <laughs> Maybe I should take that glass of wine away from you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know that there was actually one person that I was like, oh, my gosh, that's me. 
very much. Um, I do often call up the ghost of Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Nellie Bly. Those are like my spirit animals, I guess, because I'm like, what would Nellie Bly do in this situation? What would Elizabeth Cady Stanton do in this situation? Well, I know, I guess Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony's friendship. Oh, my gosh. I loved their friendship so much. I did my nano on them. An unpublished novel about a modern interpretation of Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony's life stories. Uh, number three, would you prefer to be a queen or mistress of a king? Oh, mercy. I would say mistress of a king only because what you do is you put the jewels in your pockets, girl, and you, and, and you just enjoy the situation for what it is, and then when you leave, you're free to roam about the country. Yeah. You can construct your own life with no – I'm just thinking, historically speaking, women had no power, so what you do is – I don't know – I know, I, 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 I'm kind of following along with you, because I think if you're the mistress of a king, for the most part, when he was done with you, you were done. You've fulfilled your obligation. You've done this really thing. You had financial security. You've met everyone. You've done everything. Yeah, and you can just fade off into obscurity. You can let your back touch the back of a chair all you want. Yeah. Because you're not there as the symbol of propriety. Exactly. And uh, the queen, it's a, it's a long fall. It's a trap. Yeah, and... I mean, the jewels are awesome. It's not always a trap, but I would say largely it's a trap. Yeah. You get there, and your husband has a mistress. I don't know. Look at me all loose with the morals. <laughs> I've been married for 22 years, and I've never done a single thing um, like this. But it just seems like, historically speaking, queens had to put up with a lot. Yeah. It was almost like a queen wasn't, I mean, there were some love matches, of course, but it was like a, a job where the mistress was like, Wow, again, my morals, too. <laughs> I know. It's, it's surprising yeah. to us. Yeah. But, yeah, surprising answer to that question that I hadn't encountered before. So, yeah. hooray. That was a good one. And another question that we've never encountered, how did your families get to America? Okay, so most. Most. Susan. <laughs> uh, it's a little deeper you? than that? Okay, let's go. So, most of my Germanic people came over in the 1830s-ish. This is the family lore now. There is maybe one stray Irish person in there, but largely it's just full-on Germanic people. That's the unromantic story. My husband's people um, have a history back to the 1600s. That's remarkable. Here, I mean, I'm not the genealogist of our family, um, but my German and Irish, I would say around the late 1800s maybe, um, maybe mid-1800s. My, the other half of my, my my mother is first generation American from Poland. Um, my grandmother, I believe, was born here, um, so maybe she's she's like 1.5 generation. And my well, my grandfather came from Poland on a boat in the early 1900s, like with a lot of people. Well, you know, mm-hmm. there you go. So um, Jennifer asks, have you ever had an epiphany about your own life while rece- researching the life of one of these women? Yes. Every single one of them. I think that's a good point, though. When I get to that point where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can apply that to my life, it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about talking about this person because I know them well enough. What happens is that some of the behaviors or some of the thoughts or quotes or what happens is something that you can relate to on a human level, and it makes you start to realize, okay, history is just stories of people that came before. Mm -hmm. These aren't. Mythical people standing on pedestals in stiff clothes. They're actual human people Mm -hmm. with the same emotions that we have now um, in different circumstances. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, yeah. It just humanizes people. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. Uh, Bethany asks, if you could live in any historical era, what would it be? (laughs) Bethany's going to say she doesn't want to go back in time because of modern medicine, but she would like to have, uh, she likes the 1860s silhouette. 1880s. Oh, 1880s. Sorry. Yeah, 1880s silhouette. No, 1860s. You can't even get. Oh yeah, that's true. That's right. Sorry, 1880s. See the numbers. (laughs) I have an 1880s figure. It seems like an easy transition. However, I don't. Yeah, I am going to say modern medicine wins. And uh, although you know pedestals are nice, etc., it's nice to not have to cart them about with you. It's a heavy burden to bear a pedestal. So I'm almost saying I wouldn't go back. I'd go back for a visit. Mm-hmm. Carrying yeah. antibiotics and tasers Tylenol. and Tylenol, yeah, and tampons. <laughs> you know, so that you can go back with the bag, you know, packed of things. Maybe even just like a Nellie Bly bag, not a lot, like just, a carpet bag. Yeah, just a little. So but, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't like to live in any historical era, really. I just don't think. No, I don't think I would. I, I mean, if I romanticize them, sure. But when you start thinking about the realities of life. Just general life, you know, how hard it was in, compared to our life now and the lives of women and the respect levels and their legal situations. I mean, there's, yeah, there's none. Mm-mm. I mean, you could go back to Downton Abbey and wear the fabulous clothes, but at the end of the day, your father's still the boss of you, even if you're not married. Even if you have been married and your husband dies and you live in his house. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Sorry, Bethany. Um, Krista asks, have you ever thought about doing an episode that takes a look at what it's like to be a woman in a general period of time, particularly in a way that contrasts those of different classes? I thought this was actually kind of brilliant. Yeah, I covered it a little in that mini cast mm-hmm. on Elizabethan life. I could have taken it a lot further, I suppose. And um, Gilded Age, the Gilded Age Servants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gilded Age Servants. So mm-hmm. that is maybe worth revisiting. Yeah, I think so. I like that one a lot. Katie asks, I hope that Henry the Cat is well. We have three cats, and I have had a cat my entire life. Becca, how's Henry the Cat? Henry the Cat is fine. He is um, super fat, which <laughs> means I either have still got that mouse problem from the Marie Antoinette reboot, which I thought was gone, or he knows how to open cat food cans. I'm not really sure, but he is a lovey, lovey kitty. He even now wants to come sit on my lap, and he gets devastated when there's people talking in a room and not paying attention to him. So he's good. He's awesome. He is 16 years old. I have to tell you that the cat thing, I, st- I, I was sitting in my office, which is in my basement near some boxes, and I heard this scratching sound. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's a mouse. And, and I live in a, a suburb in the country, so my, sure, whatever. But the exterminator for the bug guy had just left the day before. So I'm like, why is there mice in my house? I don't think I've ever seen a mouse. So I had to go out and buy mouse traps, and I texted a picture to Beckett. Like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe what I had to buy. And she mocked me so heavily. I know. About the mouse traps. I know. So they're all around my basement, and I don't check them. My boys check them every day. Okay, this is what I consider the $64,000 question. Uh, Kristen asks, what do we need to do to make your podcast a weekly thing? Smile emoticon. We get variations on that question all the time. More, oh. more, please, more. and I More, faster. I know. I know. Here's the thing. When we started, we were doing two a month. And, uh, yeah, we could do two a month again, except that was five years ago. And, um, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time away from our families without any compensation. Now, just think, I, I hate to break it down to that, 
But it, it comes down to money for me as far as I'm concerned. Well, and um, if I could research during the day, I would say, if I could research or edit during the mm-hmm. day, the daytime, I could produce more. But as it is, the time I have is the middle of the night. And I could go without sleep and have done it pretty much through my entire 20s mm-hmm. yeah. voluntarily. And then in my 30s, involuntarily, because I had a baby that yeah. wouldn't sleep. But, um, so, I, I... Weekly, I don't think I could do this once a week. Not is not with the amount of research that we, we put into it. However, we could do more things like movie casts, mm-hmm. perhaps. If, you, if you're, uh, I guess, let us know. If we're willing to relax the format, we could do them more often. But I don't know that weekly would be the more often in question. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, the situation weekly would be um, if we had our entire salaries paid and we had a staff to handle other things and all we had to focus on was, you know, researching and producing the podcast. And or talking to people. And ta- yeah, exactly. And going out. I mean, there's things we'd love to do. Go out and talk with people in, in live and in person. Oh, my goodness. But right now, we don't have the time because we can't. I mean, I hate to break it down, but we can't afford it. Yeah. So if we could, we would. I, that would be a dream job for me. <laughs> Wouldn't it? It would be. And people ask why we're not doing Patreon. And it's kind of the same thing. Um, Patreon requires that you have, um, what should I say, gifts or paid content, content and yeah it's for your just for your patrons it's a great idea and i love that pe- that podcasts are making money from it i love that and and they're financing their dream but for us we have a hard enough time getting these out um to do something that, that it just didn't feel right to us that somebody had to pay to get in we like to be able to provide free content and so However, some very enterprising listeners, and I hope you're listening right now, and you aren't alone, and I thought this was absolutely brilliant, you can set up a regular PayPal subscription uh, contribution to us, a monthly amount, whatever you want, just like on Patreon. So so-and-so gives us $3 a month. Oh, my gosh, that's great. It's just a regular payment. So I thought... I um, I think Susan was practically crying when she sent me that text. Like, can you believe this? this hap- I mean, so I, we're very grateful. We are very grateful. We don't expect anything, honestly, but it's very nice. Yeah, and it it pays for this equipment. <laughs> <laughs> the equipment looks really cool, by the way. I know it does. Can we take a picture? I don't know. Put can in the show all notes. The, all the detritus in the background. All right, we'll try without mm. a lot of detritus, maybe from with the bar in the background. <laughs> We can do that. Okay. So um, so in regard to that, some changes are coming soon, changes that we don't really feel like we can uh, express right now. We have, um, let's see, how do we say this? An we iron in the fire. Yes. It's ready to smash. Form? Sure. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Susan's talking about. What I'm talking about. I was about. doing the iron in the fire metaphor. I was trying to say it was ready to be, put it, ready to come out of the fire and be smashed with the hammer and into something. Okay. Too much wine. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) So we have made a partnership that as soon as it's 100% official, we'll let you know. But um, so it may lead to a little more velocity. Kristen. Kristen and friends. All friends. And Maureen. You've asked us several times. Um, Is that all the questions? Yeah. Oh, um, another question we get a lot. um, The promo announcer that people call the audible announcer is actually Mr. Graham, who I call Mr. Graham. Um, he's got an amazing voice. 
my husband, the Marlboro Man, um, maybe we'll post a picture in the show notes. Oh, we should. And um, I actually, he would love that. He would love that. I think it would probably be easier to find a picture of your husband online than it is to find a picture of you. I know. Crazy. Um, I don't know. What is that? Reclusiveness? I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know. I've used the same Gravatar now, meaning like all across all platforms, I've used the same vintage picture of a little kid to the point where I've never used a picture of myself. The only time I've ever changed my profile picture on Facebook, in fact, is when I did NaNoWriMo and won. NaNoWriMo is this program where you can write a book in a month. Uh, it's November, which if you're hosting Thanksgiving, is just a bad month. So I'm not doing it this year. I'm not sure Susan is. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to have. Because what we have to do before November this year. Right, right. But um, we have a group. If you are willing to um, participate, we'll drop in and throw challenges. I, the infamous nacho cheese challenge, everyone got nachos in their story. I don't know how they did it. So if you have a novel in you, just go to nanorimo.org and we'll link you up in our show notes. But it's just a wonderful way to sit down and see what's involved in writing and to write 50,000 words of garbage that's kind of a story. And it's, I mean, it sounds bad, but it's so liberating. Nobody's going to read it unless you want them nope. to. And it's like, what is it, 1,566 words a day or mm-hmm. something? seems like you can do that. That's a blog post. Yeah-ish. So And there's um, no editing, so it's just... Right, get it all, get it all out there. Okay, so I guess you all know. Oh, wait, one more thing, one more thing. Oh, I gotta say before we go. Okay, um, we have an Instagram account now, so follow us on Instagram, and also we would love to see people send us via email, which of course on an audio podcast we cannot share with you. They send us pictures all the time: soccer hooligans at Versailles, or a picture in Dublin, or a lot at the Tower of London, or all kinds of cool pictures that we would like everyone to see. And I think this is the best way to do it. If you go to Instagram and you tag it with hashtag History Chicks Field Trip, that way a whole bunch of cool things will all show up. And, you know, make sure to write where you are. I know a lot of times the maps will show, but if it's a picture from a previous vacation, it won't necessarily show the location where you took the picture. So just uh, tell us a little bit of what happened on the vacation, what you ate, what you drank, who you saw. I think it'll be really neat. A lot of people at Versailles today. That's what Dave said. (laughs) He sent a picture of his two 10-year-old children at Versailles, and uh, they, I can't believe how many people are standing by. There were a lot of people at Versailles. And also, did you know that when you tour the grounds now, you can rent a golf cart? Uh-uh. And he goes, that was the best part. I let my kids drive the golf cart around Versailles, and I'm like, I okay. Oh, well, my gosh. What an awesome memory. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope we've answered a lot of your questions. Um you know what? Keep the questions coming because periodically we would like to catch up in this way, I think. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, let us know if you liked it. We did. I did. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah. All right. It was super fun. There you go. Drink and talk. Talk and drink. I know. <laughs> it's good. So thank you for listening. Um, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. Clamor, which is an 18-second podcast. Well, thank you so much for listening. And the new episode is not too far away. And have a fabulous day. Bye. Take back the daughters of history Take back